0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
0: Nice dress. Uh, It's a a t-shirt.
1: Until you tried
2: it on. Same goes for your health care. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
0: Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Owning It The Anxiety Podcast. My belly is quite gurgly today, so you might hear it in the background for my little intro and my outro. Um actually, do you know what? I'm not gonna bother with an outro because Oh, there we go. Anyway, let me just introduce my next guest. It is Claire Balding, who I know is Claire Fulham because I went to school with her and I've known her for since we were, what, 11. Um, she has just launched a brand new hairdressing salon and scalp specialist called Pello. It's in Artane, as far as I know. But if you follow her at Claire Balding, you will find out all the details. Claire is a huge social media star for having documented her experience with alopecia, That explains why she's gone into the hair and the hair scalp specialist stuff. She just was like an overnight sensation on Snapchat for the way that she very, very vulnerably and honestly shared everything from the hilarious moments right down to the lowest lows when she lost her hair and what that meant for her and how that was trying to piece herself back together again. Um, She really is a very inspiring woman and I'm so glad to know her and I'm so lucky to have had the time to sit down with her and have the chat and she's just like... Full of the pearls of wisdom. I honestly wanted to have a pen and paper by my side to jot everything down that she was saying because she is gonna give you some major life advice here. and I hope you enjoy the chat as much as I did. So give Claire a follow. I'm sure you are already following her. she's she's amazing and it's great to see her take something that was so negative and so tough and turn it into something really positive that's helping so many other people. And um, so she's a woman after my own heart. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you, as always, for the feedback. I recorded a live episode um, at WellFest just this weekend past, and um, I was so lucky I got to meet people in person afterwards who had brought their books with them or who just wanted to come up and tell me that they love the podcast or that they, they stumbled upon it at a time when they really needed to hear something like this or they needed to know that their anxiety was normal and justified and that they weren't going crazy and that they weren't alone. So it was really, really nice to get that feedback and god I just can't believe the reaction that this series is having I never thought it would go this far and I'm just so grateful to all of you who are still with me still listening and still on your journey to owning it because it is you know it's an ongoing thing it's not something we do and then we finish and then we're done it's all the time so um, enjoy and thank you
1: so much So I suppose people probably don't realise is that we went to school together. Yeah, yeah. And everyone calls me Claire Balding, and it's well her surname. <laughs> yeah, I'm I can't like, follow. It's full of. I and mean, when I say it, people are like, What? Look like, yeah, Claire Balding. It's like, you know, that's not her surname. Yeah. People actually believe that it is. But yeah, they don't know that we went to school together in Mount Temple, which mm-hmm. was just like a joyous gas, gas place to be. Yeah. I just you couldn't get a better school, could yeah. you? Like we had yeah. such a good experience. That said, I still had my own kind of anxiety experience. But looking back from my memories of you in school, I would have thought you were just the most confident person in the yeah. world, and anxiety was something that
3: far, far away. Far yeah, away. is that true? Um, probably then it was, yeah. But net, like now looking back, I probably was like heading myself into a direction of hair loss scenario. Yeah. So, like, I suppose, like, oh yeah, I never suffered from it really ever do you know yeah. that kind of way but then obviously the when my hair fell out it was kind of I and I never ever used the words I am suffering from anxiety yeah. or I have anxiety because it was kind of it's pockets for me it's it's kind of and I've lived with anxiety in different ways over the past number of years and probably always did because we all have anxious periods in our life but I never I never I never kind of used those words or that term in that kind of way
1: yeah those words are hard because I think we feel like that means that we are defining ourselves by it and what I always say to everyone is look we all have a stress response and anxiety is going to pop up sometimes and you might be someone who's a bit more prone to it Yeah. or you might be someone who's not but I don't think there's anyone who can go through life with the pulse and not feel it at some at some time and you, yeah. feel like, you feel like you're completely mad for going through it but yeah. so what age were you when you started to become aware that stress and anxiety were affecting you really when i was bald Okay, so, so the
3: hair so, yeah, take me back then, did the yeah. hair just
1: start falling out. What was going on in your life at the time?
3: Um yeah, so it was three years ago in May and um I noticed a little bald spot, so I kind of carried on or whatever, but I did notice I had loads of hair, didn't I? Like oh, I, I do oh, again the most now but, like, envious hair <laughs> and the eyelashes as well. Yeah, but I was uh yes, yeah, so I had loads of hair, so I uh, like different periods of time, like we all lose a hundred hairs a day, like that's yeah. really normal. But I did notice that my hair was falling a lot more. But again, coming into summertime it normally happens that there's an increase in hair fall, like animals we kind of shed for the, the good weather that we yeah. barely ever get mm-hmm. so I kind of did notice that like I was kind of scraping it up like at my desk and stuff from work and putting it in the bin and going Jesus that's a lot like you know but again didn't really think about it but when I found a little spot I kind of said right hold on a second um and then I started to feel my hair and I noticed that oh god that is thinner than usual mm. so um a couple of days later I was in the doctor's she examined my head and I actually had five big spots on my head that I hadn't noticed so very quickly, things started to get kind of out of control. Uh, a panic, I'd say, kind of came over me and a huge fear of going, what the feck is going to happen in the next days? I didn't know. And why was this happening? I couldn't explain. And neither could they. Like they kind of, you know, it could be this, it could be this, go to dermatologists dermatologist around loads of dermatologists. They're like six weeks, eight weeks. And I just knew that I wouldn't have hair then in six mm-hmm. to eight weeks. Um... So I found a trichologist, which specialises in hair loss and the scalp, and they diagnosed me now with alopecia areata. So within that three weeks, I was in a wig. Oh my
1: god! So I'd lost
3: seventy percent of my hair in three weeks, which again, for someone who has so much hair, it's nearly two people's heads of hair. It's a huge amount of hair yeah. to lose, you know. So, um, so yeah. obviously that was unbelievable amount of stress and panic mm-hmm. and
1: terror, probably to to have that three week period. But was it brought on by stress? Obviously it caused a lot of stress, but was the st- which came first?
3: I think that looking back at it now, like I was really determined and I'd kind of give out and like deny the fact that I was stressed because I had a good life. Like looking in on my life, I had a good life, you know? Yeah, like we always
1: I was do that. we always make ourselves feel. Yeah.
3: Bad and I married. kind of Yeah. And like I mean, I was I was married to Ian who I'd been with since I was like eighteen. We've yeah. got two gorgeous kids. We've got our lovely little house in Merino and we're both working and we're both very privileged people and happy, like genuinely a happy little household. But I think, look, and it took me a long time to be able to say I was stressed and that's what caused my hair loss because it was like, it's probably genetic and I was like going through family trees trying to find some bald women in my family and there was none, you know, and I think it took me probably a good two years to come to the realisation that it was stress that made my hair fall out. So like I had, I was pregnant at 22, I very quickly grew up and I kind of, like I always do, and Ian's a very kind of quite strong-willed person as well, we kind of said we're going to make the most of this and get on with it you know, and we had kind of a mad seven years. Pharaoh was born when we were 23. We bought a house at 23. We, you know, had our second child at 27. We had a surprise wedding in the middle of all that. All of these things, you know, are stressful things in people's life and big life changing moments. We kind of just took them in our stride. Yeah. And I think actually looking back on it, it was a reflection of, I didn't take a breath for about seven years, you know. Mm. And then Ellie, when Elliot came along then, my hair was falling out. Elliot was about a year and a half and he didn't sleep at all. So I was running on. Like, I remember one day I went into work and I had 15 minutes sleep. And I went oh in with a smile on my face, did a great job, went home and collapsed. And but I had to look after kids and a house. Mm. And, you know, it was, I think it was a physical stress that I was under, you know. And did
1: you feel... Something that I, my big issue was, and I feel like a lot of people's issue is that, you know, you say you didn't want to admit that it was stress. Yeah. Because is it, you were looking for something to blame. Yeah. Something like tangible that would say it's mm-hmm. not your fault. Yeah. And if it's stress. It's all your it's fault. It's all your fault. Yeah. And that's very hard to, yeah. to swallow.
3: And a few people would say that to you. What are you stressed out? And then oh, awesome. that makes it feel so much worse. Then there's all this level of huge shame yeah. to do with stress. You know, that yeah. kind of way. Or anxiety or depression is a huge kind of, Shame about not having it together, Mm -hmm. and I really don't think most of us have it together, you know. And I think Mm -hmm. that really only the past couple of years I find found that I've been kind of surrounding myself with people who are very open about not having all their shit together, Mm -hmm. and they're the kind of people I admire the most. That are the ones that are able to be vulnerable and honest about the shit times as much as the good times in that kind of way.
1: We need to let ourselves off the hook as well, though. I think like so much of the stress and anxiety we feel is because we're afraid that it makes us look pathetic or that like what would people think of us because like you say you were so privileged Mm -hmm. and certainly I had no kids I had everything going for me what right in my head I was like what right do I have to fall apart but a lot of that was kind of self-stigma yeah you know I and I say oh people sort of say like what have you got to be worried about and they did but so much of the stigma and the shame was like coming from myself yeah probably from yourself yeah
3: 100% yeah because then when you do look at it like you just said you had no kids like if I met you on the street there you'd be like of course Claire's fucking stressed. Yes. Stress, you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. it's it's you, like, you kind of put so much kind of blame on yourself and, and you, it's so self-inflicted. Because like when people look at, it is a stressful life, life in general. Mm. No matter what life you lead, stress has come up, you know? Nobody has the perfect run of things, you know? Mm. But I think I, definitely it took me a long time to get to the point where now I openly say my hair fell out because I'm stressed. Yeah. And then I can see sometimes still people kind of going, Jesus, like... I felt like people wouldn't trust me again to cope do you know yeah. I felt like people were like oh we can't tell Claire that because if I tell Claire that her hair will fall out again yeah. or I can't ask Claire for help because I kind of feel like you know she's, she's so delicate now whereas I'm not delicate actually I'm one of the strongest people I know, do you know and I always have been and I'm very determined and very well able to look after mm. myself most of the time <laughs> but I you know so I kind of didn't want that stigma on me I didn't want to be the the one that needed the help of the delicate one you know yeah
1: I know and talk to me about the the anxiety when after that three-week period you get the diagnosis and you're wearing a wig Mm -hmm. just what was the lowest moment for you
3: I think yeah I described like I had a week so it was like the third week the week I got my wig and I didn't get out of bed I called in sick to work I just didn't get out of bed I was watching Hayden Chelsea like all day every day eating chocolate crying with like hair everywhere tumbleweeds of hair like everywhere and like avoid like closing my eyes going past mirrors so I couldn't bear to see what was looking back at me and I remember that was kind of I describe as the worst week of my life I'm kind of very quickly um I'm kind of emotional okay. <laughs> I think it's because I know you know, you, yeah. know when you know someone you're well able to but I think very quickly I kind of found myself a very different person so I went from someone who was coping okay to obviously getting this kind of devastating news that all of your hair is about to fall out. And I still even cope with that quite well within those couple of weeks. But then I gave up Mm -hmm. and I suddenly kind of felt myself being in this space of quite a hellish kind of time in my head and kind of feeling that I, I don't know, that um, it's actually easier to stay in this hell then keep trying to get better mm-hmm. it's more tiring to put on a wig and to put on a smile and to go to work and to look out that's really tiring to pretend to be okay all the time
2: yeah.
3: whereas even though this was shit it was a lot easier to lie here watching Maiden Chelsea eating chocolate because I was ignoring it a little bit you know what I mean I wasn't trying to thread that water anymore I kind of got really happy in hell mm-hmm. and that scared the shit out of me because mm-hmm. I was like Claire, if you don't get up now I don't know how long I would have lay in that bed for. So I gave myself a couple of days. I was like, no, you're entitled to this now. Just Mm. do this for a couple of days. But I remember I got a phone call from my mom and she just... Kicked the shit out of me over the phone and was like, Claire, he'd want to, like, because I, I got very dark very, very quickly. Like, and really kind of thoughts would come into my mind that, like, why would Ian ever want to look at me again? Why would my, my kids are going to be embarrassed? Like, all, ugh, all this kind of stuff. And I was kind of like, sorry, Caroline, why am I getting upset? No, it's so I'm making you talk about stuff. But, but I never, like, I can on the radio. I think it's because I know you. It. And it's kind of like, oh, God, it was horrible. But these horrible thoughts that were so, that I kind of, I'm ashamed of still that I was like this I can't live this life and like when I look back on it this, it's only kind of recently i thought about it and I was very ill I was very ill at that time and I didn't know and I'm mentally ill as well mentally yeah. ill yeah and like it's so hard to kind of describe that to people because like people you know unless you have a disease a physical disease people really don't really take you very seriously sometimes yeah. and when I look back at it like my life was threatened at that time my head was somewhere completely different at the time but I I played it down and the way I dealt with it which is bizarre and I say it sometimes very Robin Williams of me altogether was to put on a wig and go on telly like
1: <laughs> that's mad you know what yeah, I mean but it's it's sort of like it becomes a coping strategy in that you put it out there and you're like for me, it was the same thing where I started writing articles about anxiety because I was craving people to say, I understand, yeah. I get it. And then what I didn't expect was people would say, oh my God, me too. Yeah. And then you're helping people and also helping, like it's sort of cathartic for yourself. Yeah. And it's easier sometimes to, I guess, if you go on a platform, like go on TV and say, this is what I'm going through. You don't have to have any more conversations. It's like, you know, yeah. telling people about breakup. You just yeah. want it to be broadcast so that yeah. no one has to keep asking you. Yeah. Were you afraid... You know, in those days where you said, like, I can't put the wig on, I can't go and put a smile on. Did you feel like you had to put a smile on? Or did you feel like in work, would it, would it have been pressure for you to kind of go in and be like, I'm not okay?
3: Yeah, I kind of, I, I am a person who likes to let others down. So it was very difficult for me to like take those days off work. And within that whole period in the last three years, they only took those four days, five days off work, you know. And yeah, I felt a huge pressure to be okay, to look okay. To you know like even when my hair wasn't completely fallen out I could hide it but I was so self-conscious for other people about how they were going to react to the way I looked mm-hmm. and I kind of felt this huge pressure and it wasn't coming from me actually really it was coming I, I felt a pressure from others like in work or like I know so many people that used to cross the road when they'd see me like like friends like you know for life or friends like neighbors and stuff like oh shit, like. What do you say to the girl that's wearing a wig? And because it's not like, and I had so many chemotherapy patients coming to me going, Claire, do you know what? You know, I know my hair is going to grow back and I'm risking, I'm taking, I'm risking my life for my hair. And that's a risk that you're going to fucking take.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. Like you don't know when your hair is going to grow back. And there's a really odd reason why it's falling out so people avoid you. You Mm. know that kind of way. And people walk the other side of the road because they don't want to have that awkward conversation so you totally feel isolated now there was times where like I didn't leave the house like I I, I I, didn't really I mean I talk about this I set up a snapchat account so, like all of a sudden I thousands the people watching my every move and um it was a great kind of therapy for me and a help and a willingness I wanted as many people willing me to to do well mm-hmm. and keeping an eye on me really to be mm-hmm. honest I wanted people to keep an you eye on how I was doing yeah so, yeah but I didn't and I used to kind of even lie about on snapchat in the early days about leaving the house I didn't leave the house for I don't know three months really like mm-hmm. I stayed there I'd go to work I'd come back and I'd run up the road and run back like I'd be terrified so those people that ignored me I was kind of grateful in not aspect because mm-hmm. I was like I don't want to talk to anybody but like it was a weird time where it kind of very, very quickly manifested into something that was so alien to my life,
1: and you I have never, never felt no. anxiety
3: like it before. No,
1: did you have any pancakes?
3: planning
0: for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting
3: essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at fifty to eighty
0: percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for
0: your ever evolving sleep needs. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: Yeah. What were they like? Like I thought I was going to die. It was in the bed that week. Like I'd say I had two. I remember actually, like I think I had one in the doctor's surgery one day. I went down and I just said, I need a pill. Like I was like, you're going to have to stop me. Like I need medication. Like I keep thinking, like my heart was racing. I couldn't see panicked sheer terror you know and like I remember in the doctors and she was like Claire and she she actually showed me she had alopecia areata as well but she had this gorgeous big black long hair and she showed me the spots in her head and um now she was like now yours is much worse mm. but it will grow back and she kind of gave me calmed me down a lot and, and how did she um, know it would go back just because she it's the nature tr- of it yeah so it, it's normally like it's a very kind of triggering thing to happen but generally people with alopecia are now hundreds of types of different alopecia, but ariata normally grows back okay. um but mine was very severe so people can hide it very well like a lot of people have it they don't even know they have it it could be mm. the back of their head their hairdresser would see it their hairdresser would ignore it right okay i wouldn't ignore it if i saw it because you need to kind of make the person aware but um was there anything you could do except wait for it to go back and try and relax which is the worst thing
1: i know it could be told? i know
3: when your hair's falling i was like stop stressing it's like are you joking um i went to a clinic i attended a clinic for 20 weeks and um the universal hair and scalp clinic um on georgia street you know the big sign like why go bald on georgia street and i remember me and sarah was then in Morocco, and we're walking past that one day going <laughs> like when we were 16 oh my God, yeah. going imagine how to come in there and here oh i was God. like paid 500 quid going in going here will you help me like it's actually sick when i think about it but um we yes yeah, so i went there for 20 weeks and uh, I don't think that's completely responsible for my hair coming back at all I think there's a combination of a lot of things but what it did for me was give me some sort of level of control so it gave me something like I'm being proactive I'm going in every week and I'm doing this and doing that and actually when I think I was in my eighth week there and I didn't want to go in. Like I didn't want to take off my wig. I didn't want someone to massage my head. I didn't want someone. I didn't want to have to scurry through Dame Street with my wig on, with the oily scalp. I just didn't want to do it. And I went into the I don't know where it is. I don't. It's like the Mercantile Bar. Mm-hmm. And I went in. It was a really. Sun, it was in August. It was really, really sunny. And I went in. I ordered myself a gin, like on my own, like completely undeclared. Like, this is a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> I went in on my own, had a gin. Sat there going, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to ring them and say something's come up. I can't cope with it today. I just can't. Then order myself another gin, sat there. And then I was looking out and like beside the stag's head and stuff. And it was a really, really sunny day. And there was this man who was just sitting there on the the ground like begging. And I was like, you selfish little shit, Claire. Get yourself up off your hole and go and take control of this now. And I was like, if this is the worst thing that will happen, and it was very bad. Mm -hmm if this is the worst thing that will happen in your life you're a lucky bitch get up off your fat arse Mm -hmm. and I got up and I was like I don't actually need my hair to live I don't need my hair for people to think I'm beautiful I don't need my hair to walk to talk to love my kids I don't need I don't need it do I want it do I want it? I do want I want it because of all the repercussions of not having it but I really need to just let it go now and accept that I don't have hair so I did so I 10 minutes late ran up the stairs sorry 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 went in to the place and she took off my wig or whatever we're having a chat And it was the very first girl that gave me the treatment her name was Kenny and I hadn't seen her in a couple of weeks or whatever and she like nearly started crying "Kenny, you've got hair all over your head I was like, sorry? She's like, you've got hair all over your head. Give me your phone, give me your phone. She gave my phone, she took a picture and had all these tiny white baby hairs all over my head. And I was like, they weren't there this morning. And she's like, well, they probably were, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was literally like the moment that I just actually let it go. The moment that I was like, that's okay now, Claire. And you're going to be absolutely fine was the moment that changed everything for me then, that I could actually see light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was only a very short period of time. That was only, like, nine weeks, you know? Twelve weeks, really, like, when it started to fall out, that it started to get better quickly. Mm -hmm. But then there was the terror that it would go again, because these little, like, you know, white hairs of hope, I didn't know would last very long, to that kind of way. And sometimes that happens, it grows back, and then it falls back out again, all that kind of stuff. So as much as it brought me joy and happiness and calm or hope yeah it scared the shit out of me as well you know yeah
1: yeah Georgie was saying something similar about like it took her so long to get to the point where she didn't wake up fearing that the cancer would come back and I I hate I always say this but I hate comparing my experience of just regular I guess anxiety to what you went through or, or what Georgie went through but for me for so long when I felt like I was getting control of my anxiety again, and I wasn't having such severe panic attacks. Like, or I could leave the house. Mm -hmm. I was. I lived in fear that it's just going to come and take over again. Yeah. When it was actually something unlike cancer or unlike hair loss, it was something that I could control. Mm -hmm.
3: But I felt like I couldn't. You couldn't, yeah. Uh, And that's the same thing. Like when you think about it, it's what the way you feel is the level of control that you have. Do you not know? So regardless of a disease or. Yeah. You know, like it's completely—it's it's the way it like manifests yeah. for you. Do you know,
1: it's—it's it's interesting like, that you say that. You know, the moment she sort of said you stopped resisting where you were, yeah, things changed. Yeah, and I think going forward in life, like you must have learned such a valuable lesson to accept where you are when you're there, yeah. instead of for you and whatever about the hair growing back for you emotionally. If you kept resisting that, mm-hmm. you were going to stay in this dark hole. Yeah, and like acceptance no matter what your situation, is the hardest thing, but it's the most crucial thing. Yeah.
3: And I think it takes people a long time to get there, you know? And I think that actually what helped me was talking about it. And, you know, I always say like Snapchat saved my life and it sounds like the most dramatic thing ever, but it really did. It Mm -hmm. kind of allowed me to vocalize what I was going through. But it also kind of, you know, I entered that little community to kind of draw strength from it. Yeah. And then hopefully give strength back too, which I know I have done, which is is an amazing feeling as well, you know, but selfishly, I went into it originally that some American doctor would get in touch, like, I'll give you a hair transplant, you know what I mean? (laughs) That's why I did it, like, because I was like, somebody has to know what's happening, you know, but they didn't. But I think really and truly, the kind of just being able to, like, the hardest thing to do is to allow yourself to be so vulnerable, like you know like it's kind of I think vulnerability is really really interesting because it's like it's real Physic the physical manifestation of vulnerability is very similar to the kind of mental state of yeah. vulnerability so like you know when you feel like you're in the nip in front of your boss and they walk and like you've <laughs> nowhere to go and it's like an empty room and yeah. you're just like that you just want to crawl into yourself yeah and that kind of remember that leap of me putting it on Facebook that I was losing my hair to my 400 friends you know what I mean that was terrifying when I pressed that button send and I walked outside I didn't go back to the computer but when I came back to it this huge level of hope and interest Mm. and just a willingness for you to be okay was completely overwhelming
2: you know
1: I just feel like something I've learned and something that I'm hopefully going to explore in in my third book is this whole thing of like the power of your vulnerability and Mm -hmm. actually the kind of irony that when you're willing to be vulnerable and say here I am mm-hmm. here I am with no hair here I am with panic attacks here I am with with cancer whatever it is or for, for my brother I did an episode with him he had a very hard time with a stammer yeah and he remember that one time he pushed the button on a post mm-hmm. saying this is what I'm going through when you are willing to be vulnerable in a way it makes you invulnerable yeah yeah like it makes you resilient because mm-hmm. it's like it's like, you know, saying, I know I'm shit for you,
3: so I'm shit. Yeah, and I'm really like that. I'm yeah. like, I'm really bad dancer just before I get up to dance. Yeah, yeah, you know so I like, don't
1: judge me. Yeah, yeah.
3: it's like, I'll, like I'm will like i allowed to laugh at myself. Like, I'm taking that power away from yeah. somebody else. I think that's kind of what I, what I told people as well. It was kind of, first of all, like, you're living in kind of shame. You have a wig and you're self-conscious about the wig, so I didn't want that. And it's a stress in itself to wear a wig when yeah. you're trying to disguise it, you know? Yeah. When people were telling me, like, I'm going to do chemotherapy, Claire, so it's almost acceptable for them to wear a wig. I was like, where the fuck is Claire fully wearing a wig? Yeah. She doesn't, she's not sick. What's wrong with her? Do you know what I mean? So it was this kind of level of shame to try and hide that, you know? So that's why I kind of did that. I was like, I need this to be free. I need yeah. to, to say it as terrifying as it is. And it is like jumping off a cliff. It's literally How like... How did
1: you feel when you did that?
3: I, I was terrified but I immediately felt better. I immediately felt like, oh my God, like this has just been such a weight, even for that short period of time, it's been such a weight on my shoulders and on my heart. And Mm -hmm. to, to be able to just say it out loud, just kind of, you know, the mist started to clear a little bit. You and did know, did you
1: feel as a result of that that the anxiety started to lift a little bit as well?
3: Yeah, but then it grows in different ways because then you've got people watching
1: you, Yes, you know? Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about next. Yes. Okay, in order to put yourself out there on social media to the extent that you do, mm-hmm. you need to have a very strong sense of who you are and mm-hmm. what your values are and yeah. your sense of self-worth because otherwise you're completely porous. And Mm -hmm. I know you say that in the beginning, there was like a whole well of support, but there's going to be shit as well. Oh yeah. So did you, have you learned that as you've gone on social media Mm -hmm. or did you kind of go into it knowing this is what I'm about, this is what's important to me?
3: No, I've learned it through social media. So like I would, you know, like all of us, we'd be self-conscious about different things or we'd worry what people thought about us. And, you know, I... Not any more than anyone else, just normal, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think what this has taught me, this experience has taught me is that like nothing physical defines you at all. Whether it be hair or your waistline or Mm -hmm. your crooked nose or whatever it is like unfortunately I'm looking at those lovely tulips up there but that's what we're like mm. we fade and we're gonna get saggy tits and we're gonna get wrinkles <laughs> and our our hair's gonna fall out and and those things and what actually matters is you and and the person you are and the person you are to others mm. and I have figured that out over the past little while and I think it's actually a really nice position to be in mm. at like 31 to actually completely just be okay with who I am. And nothing physical matters to me anymore. Of course, I'm in love with my hair again. I'm delighted it's back. It's amazing. But I, it doesn't define me at all, do no. you know? And nothing does. you be you
1: with or without it now. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. And I know people will love me either way. And that's the fear. And when you go on social media and you talk to thousands of people every day and the response that you get and the warmth that you get from that lifts you up. And I'd rather, that's a better feeling than... Yeah, like a topic of criticism, let's say. Mm -hmm. Like people kind of having opinions on me or people like giving out about me, all that kind of stuff. What are they saying? What are they... Oh, they just hate me. Some people just really hate me because I'm able to completely be myself, I think. And I think it's a real liberating feeling when you work out who you are and who you want to be and just live unapologetically that way. People are threatened by that. And that kind of way, they wouldn't say that. They'd just be like, I'm Claire's a fat bitch. I'm like, fact. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. Or like, you know, like they'd criticize the way I live my life or the way I am with my kids or the way I am. With they just, they literally just give out about everything. Like everything. And are you very
1: well able to know that that's their problem? Or yeah. do you, like has there been a time where something has really gotten under your skin?
3: When I started to earn money through Claire Balding, they had a real problem with that. So I do like live shows and mm-hmm. stuff. We started it last June and we've booked 10. We've nearly sold them all out. It's amazing. And people, I think, when you start to earn money through something, they don't have... It's real Irish, begrudgery, isn't it? It's kind of like, what well, shit, how dare she? Well, you like, like
1: every poet or director or anything yeah. who ever has gone through something has used that as inspiration to do something. Right. And people who, like... any Everyone's success has probably come from some kind of struggle yeah. or adversity yeah. in some way. And I just think... That's bullshit. I really and I, I mean, I get a small bit of it as well, and I wanted to ask you about it because I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm on a much smaller scale in terms of followers, but I'm so not used to it. I had one person a while ago was just like, "You're an absolute, uh, like, you're an embarrassment. Like, you're capitalizing on anxiety and stuff." And I was like, "Well, I'm also like making a difference. Like, people are actually really finding it helpful, and if it means if if me being able to do that more means like I can survive and pay my mortgage." Like, I, I, I was that? so, I was so upset by it because yeah. I just was like, I felt like maybe I believed her a little you bit or something. You question yourself
3: then, yeah. You yeah. allow that to kind of oh, get
1: in and Yeah, and, and she in. was like, your anxiety is like pathetic. You don't know what anxiety is. And, oh. and like, I had such a, I really wanted to go back and be like, I was suicidal yeah. at a point. My yeah. anxiety was so bad. I was... You know, it was months on end, and I didn't. What was worse for me is I didn't have anything to pin the blame on. There was nothing I could yeah. say. This is why I because it was just like yeah. you should be okay. You fucking egot. Yeah. Why aren't you? Yeah. So in a way, that was almost more anxiety inducing. Yeah. But but then I'm like Caroline. I catch myself and I'm like, you cannot reply to this person because she's obviously in a bad way. Yeah. Whoever she is, um, and everyone's experience of anxiety or anything is different, but it's mm-hmm. all relative to everyone. Yeah. So yeah. I don't need to justify my anxiety. No, never. You know, and you don't need to justify mm-hmm. that you lost your hair as yeah. to why or on the how then you gave yourself
3: a profile, a platform, and now you're a really positive influence in people's lives. Yeah, and I think that it really is when you... It's, it's, it really is, I think, the money thing that people have a problem with. Yeah. Is that kind of way. But like you say, like every you know entertaining person or anyone we take any sort of strength from really yeah. has they has to pay their yeah. mortgage. Yeah, do you know what I mean? She yeah. doesn't apologize for when no. you buy her CD or whatever. It's in that kind of way. And then I think I actually had a rant about that one time and it was I it was a I actually screenshot I got of, like, a Facebook group or whatever, and they were all, you know, taunting up how much I've earned this year and all this oh kind of my stuff. Gosh. And they rang my job and asked, you know, like mad stuff, asked, tried to figure out how much money I was on in my job because there was a government, all this kind of stuff.
0: Oh my God,
3: Kim. Too far, like, you know? And I just think that if you are that obsessed with, finding out or hating on someone you really shouldn't be watching them for christ's sake in that kind of way there's a difference of watching someone that annoys you and you kind of get a bit of a you know what i mean you 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 self-punish me in in a way you just keep watching you're like what is she doing and tapping through but in no way in hell would i publicly write that into a group that's able to be screenshotted and sent to that person because i would absolutely hate to hurt someone's feelings like it's incredible but there's people out there that really have problems with that you know that kind of way or who does she think she is? Like, you know, why the hell would you go and watch Claire's show? And they're the people that aren't there. You know, that kind of way. Have you gotten negative feedback for the fact, like I know on your Instagram, you say, lost
1: my hair, still banging on about it. Yeah. Do you get people saying, oh, like your hair's back, get over it. Yeah, You can't still be
3: like doing this. Yeah, sometimes there people kind of are angry at me if I've said, this is what worked for me and they've done everything I've done and it hasn't grown back. You know, that kind of way. But Like you just said there, you kind of have to say, well, they're not in a good place right now. And I understand that. And every time I'd recommend something, I'd say, this is what I did, but Mm -hmm. it's not going to work for everybody. You know what I mean? And I have to be very careful that because there was a time where I would have spent a small fortune on anything, just, you know, the wish or the promise that it would grow back, you know? And I think I've been quite careful in terms of like, you know, it's like, like I've gotten offered a lot of money over the past two years, especially as the platform grows and as I do more things and stuff. And Will you promote this shampoo? Will you promote this vitamin? And I'm talking thousands of euro for a couple of Instagram posts and everything else. And I've said no to all of those things. And it hurt me to say no because I'm we struggle. Yeah. We're not well off. You know what I mean? So, but I think what it's allowed me to do, it's still given me a credibility in terms of people still believe me when I say, I really like this shampoo. Yeah. Or I really like that, Does it? will it make your hair grow? No, it's an illuminating shampoo. It's like, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I'm very honest with all that kind of stuff. And I would never sell people down the garden path. And I think that's what's allowed me to do what I'm about to do next in terms of opening the salon and the hair and scalp clinic, because people have a level of trust for me and I have a genuine care for them. Mm-hmm. and I really want to make a difference to them. and I really want to try and help them in some way. Um, because I know how much hair loss has affected my life and still affects it every day. You know, that kind of way. like, I think, and I was listening to Georgie and yourself, and when she, you know, and I'm saying the Verda comic got better, people were like, oh, you kind of have to be, be the better. old Georgie yeah. again. Now, come on now, you've had your time to moan about it or cry about it or whatever. And I think the moment I took off my wig, which was two years ago in January, I looked ridiculous. But anyway, I took it off as I'm not using this anymore. I'm just going to look the way I look. And everyone kind of forgot about me again then. Like, I I'm not talking about like my family and my friends kind of, you know, they were kind of like, oh, you're grand now. But I really wasn't like, I really wasn't okay still. Because the know? emotional stuff doesn't end. No, you know, it's something that will be with me for the rest of my life. And I kind of have to try and learn to live in this world safely. And I mean, but this world, me, in my head. you're not going to... If you're afraid, or if you know that it was, if you could now
1: come to be safe, it was a stressful time in your life. Mm-hmm. Does it make you fearful of ever getting stressed again? In- no. Okay, that's good.
3: Because I think, I mean, we, none of us can avoid day-to-day no. stress. You know, like stuff. So I was, I mean, and I have had stressful times since then, you know, like loads of them. <laughs> like, so I don't worry in that regard. I think I, I remember the type of stress I was under then and it was a real desperate, tired state is probably mm. what I'd say. I was so exhausted. I can't even begin to describe how physically exhausted I was and then a few weeks later my hair fell out so I haven't felt that level of kind of pure exhaustion and I remember the doctor the nice doctor I told me about the hell peach as well she said isn't it funny how your body picked your hair because if my body had a picked bad skin I would have lashed the L concealer <laughs> on and got on with my day if my body had of you know picked maybe a rash in my body or something else or, you know like huge weight gain huge weight loss anything I would have kind of coped with it better than my hair, because my hair was my thing. It's like, oh, you know Claire with the right hair? Mm. And my body knew that this girl isn't going to wake up any other way but to just get rid of her hair. Mm. And that was the realisation, the wake-up call that I needed. But like, I'm not afraid of stress because we can't avoid it. And I'm actually not too bad at dealing with it. As funny as that sounds, me sitting here saying stress caused my hair, I'm not. Like, I'm kind of, I love a bit of stress in my life. I love a bit of chaos. I love a bit of pressure because I I, I kind of thrive on those kind of things, you
1: know? I think something that i covered in, in owning it was um this ted talk by kelly mcgonigal she's a some brilliant woman anyway she, she you should watch it and she talks about the fact that okay stress is obviously unavoidable in our lives and we go through our life trying to avoid it and we, we get more stress and what matters more than stress being in your body is your perception of stress if you, yeah they did this study of hundreds of people in america and the people who had stressful lives who thought that it was going to really affect their health mm-hmm. were, like, far more likely to die than the people who had stress but didn't think it was a problem. Or the people people who had stress oh, right. but didn't think it was an issue were far less likely to die than people who had no stress at all. That's interesting. So it's, yes. it's how you, your, your kind of relationship with stress and expecting, sometimes I'm going to feel it, sometimes I'm not going to feel it. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you say, like the hair loss made you wake up and you're awake now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you know, I think it's the same for for myself or anyone I've spoken to where... I don't think you'll ever get to that point again because yeah. you're aware and you have obviously know yourself so well now mm-hmm. and you would recognize if things are getting a little bit too much yeah. and you must have learned so much about yourself like what is the greatest thing you've learned to be yourself mm-hmm.
3: to understand who you want to be in this world and I kind of like and in my shows I go into it a lot in terms of like you know and it's like this was like my hair was supposed to come out my hair was supposed to be my, my best feature I had, and then it was pulled from from me. Yeah. And I was supposed to go through this. I was supposed to be a shoulder to cry on, even though I've never met Sandra from Mayo. Do you know what I mean? Or Kelly in Dubai, or all these people that I connect with on a daily basis that get some level of a smile from me, or a piece of joy from me, sharing my family, sharing my shit times, you know, be all that kind of stuff. Mm. Just living your life and kind of, making other people feel less alone in theirs and I think that that's what social media has done for me and I'm very thankful for that you know that I'm able to be in other people's lives that I'll never meet in my whole life you know mm-hmm. but how grateful I am for those people that pulled me out of depths of sadness and I think that the the kind of ability to know that I'm so much more than my physical being and I can be loved outside of that mm-hmm. and that's a huge kind of place to be in your life you know Mm -hmm. and a pre it kind of yeah unapologetically be yourself Mm -hmm. because there's a reason why we're all here like that sperm hitting that egg back in 1987 or 1986 (laughs) whatever like there was a reason and a place for us all in this world and I really encourage people to try and find their purpose because I think I found mine I think I've and I'd never like I left school started working straight away you know got pregnant like bought a house all that kind of stuff I did kind of things unconventionally and now I'm in a position where I'm opening my own business to help people who are going through what I went through and I think that actually finding that little purpose in your life like really gives great depth to your life and to be able to help people like you're doing with your podcast and your books and the kind of impact that has on others is quite astronomical Mm -hmm.
1: do you ever take a moment these days to take stock and are you proud of yourself
3: I never yeah I don't actually and I should do like the other yesterday I was like crying in my bed (laughs) like going I was just like oh my god Claire like I was like these shows are coming to an end I've done 10 in a year and I can't really fit any more in with opening on my own business and all that kind of stuff so I was kind of like I can't believe you did that like I can't believe you've sold out shows and got up and told a story and kind of I can't believe it and I was kind of really sad then it was like oh, that kind of is ending for me now but something else amazing is coming mm. along but yeah I don't give myself enough credit really and I don't yeah I'm not great at like patting myself on the back ever It's not mm. kind of way I brush it off but that's just you know mm. or well take the I opportunity to down. pat yourself
1: on the back as I think people have a fear of doing it in case it ever seems arrogant yeah. whatever but yeah. like if you're going to be confident and if you're going to you know be striving for the different successes that you're going for you know what's the point if you can't I be know. proud of yourself and, yeah. and be like wow I did a really good thing there
3: yeah you know I think I'm proud of I'm proud of Ian and I'm proud you know I'm proud of kind of all of us to be able to get through that shit time and we're still we can still tolerate each other first of all but like mm-hmm. we I'm proud of that I'm proud that's kind of what I'm proud of that we got through it together and we kind of recognize like we were doing an interview with two of us the other day and like he was like, I respect Claire an awful lot more now. I always respect her, but I respect her hugely now. Really? Because of what she's done and how she's had an effect on other people, and yeah, you um, turn it into
1: something that yeah. helps other people, which is why the the money giving out is bullshit. I know, yeah. You know, you've done something good with something
3: bad. Yeah, and I think that it's kind of like a nice a full circle story, you know, yeah. that kind of way. Like, I'm a, yeah, I am proud, Caroline.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <You should laughs> I just realised, yeah,
3: no, I am. I just don't like to think about it too much because maybe then it will kind of scare me a little bit, or I feel intimidated slightly, but. No, it's been, it's been a tough few years, but it's, I wouldn't change any of it.
1: And if you could go back to yourself in that week from hell, Mm -hmm. what would you say to yourself now?
3: Just keep treading water, like keep going. I think like all of us, unfortunately, will be in hell at some point in our life. It's completely unavoidable. And don't get too tired to give a shit about yourself because there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And I know it's so difficult at that instant and that time and you, you don't believe it, yeah. but you have to keep going. You have to keep trying. You have to try and get yourself out of that hole. And nobody will do it for you. No. You know, your husband, your mom, your dad, nobody can do that for you. You have to feel worth and you have to know that one day you'll feel like yourself again and you'll feel like you're worthy to be here we all are, and we all have a little place in this world, but you really just have to keep going. Don't get too tired to give a shit about yourself. Or- Claire Bob, <laughs>
1: thank you
3: so much for joining us on I'm the
1: Anxiety Podcast. I would really love to chat with you. Thank you. <laughs>